And yet another bonus episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. We are continuing to talk about some of your responses to my question of what your biggest songwriting struggles are. So without further ado, let's get back into it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day to talk songwriting with me. Again, this is a special bonus episode. We'll get back to the normal swing of things and the normal episodes after going through these different responses. But even though all of these comments are very much going to inform the content that I make over the next really year plus, uh, so hopefully even if my answer to your question in the moment is maybe imperfect, uh, hopefully you'll get a better answer over time, whether that be via video or on the podcast side. In fact, already today, actually, I was planning some YouTube videos. Specifically, they won't be podcasts. They're more shorter form content that specifically address some of what came up in these different songwriting struggles. So, That being said, we're going to continue to go through to make sure I hit every single one. I do want to address all of these in this bonus podcast format, Uh, but most of these will probably be hit on again in a more planned out video format as well. But just in case some of them aren't, maybe some of them really there is only one person with a very specific struggle. I want to make sure that I hit that anyway. And if you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide, 20 Different Ways to Start Writing a Song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. And our first uh, struggle that we have today, actually, I believe is largely the same as the last one. And it is right now struggling to finish songs. I have several song starters, sections, and ideas that can be turned into songs. So... Uh, I'm actually, today, earlier today, I started writing a whole series on specifically how to finish songs. One video will be on how to, the the right questions to ask to figure out where to go with your chords next. Another one is going to be asking the right questions for where to go with your melody next. And then finally, of course, lyrics next, because essentially those are the three parts of a song. So whenever you're stuck on a song, usually it's something like, You have a chord progression for your verse and your chorus, but you don't know where to go with the melody for the verse or the chorus, or you already have your verses and choruses totally written except the lyrics, and you don't know where to go next with the second verse lyrics. So pretty much anytime we're stuck on a song, usually if we break it down, it's something like, I don't know where to go next with this chord progression. I don't know where to go next with the melody or with the lyrics. So there'll be a whole series on this, but uh, something that I would say is not all ways of writing songs are equally simple. And when struggling to finish songs, I think going back to basics is a great way to get over the hump a little bit. Because a lot of times the reason we might not be finishing songs is we may be well-intentioned and probably are well-intentioned, right? We're trying to craft a song. We're really trying to put our artisticness in every single little crevice of the song. And I think that's good. Largely, um, but sometimes I think we can we can tinker indefinitely, and that's where we get ourselves in trouble. So you have several song starters, sections, and ideas that can be turned into songs. I think 
the first question you need to ask yourself is with each one of these, what do you think the next natural step is? What's the next easiest thing to do? So for example, I don't know what you mean by song starters, right? That could be a guitar hook. That could be uh, maybe you have a chorus lyric or something like that. But let's just for kicks and giggles, assume that it's something like a musical hook, maybe a bass line, maybe a guitar hook, piano hook. So the question is, what what's the natural next thing to figure out? If you have a guitar hook and that's all you have for your song, probably the most natural thing to do next is to figure out a chord progression in that same key that works with that guitar hook you already have. That's the natural next step. Going straight from guitar hook to melody might be a little bit of a stretch. Going from guitar hook all the way to lyrics could be a huge stretch because there's a lot of pieces in between. And those of you who uh, are in my course know this, and I may have mentioned it elsewhere, but I'll mention it here. To me, there's like a there's two plots of land with songwriting and a bridge in between. I call it the songwriter bridge principle. But it's basically the idea that if you think about it, lyrics and your chord progression have no direct connection. They are only connected via the melody. So the melody is like the bridge in the middle between your chords and your lyrics. Because you can have any lyrics over any chord progression. You can't pair any lyrics with any melody, nor can you pair any melody with any chord progression. Just to take it to the extreme, you can't have a chord progression in D major and then have like the melody in E flat major, like that, that will not work. And that's taking it to the extreme. Nobody would try to do that, but that's just to establish the idea that you cannot have any melody over any chord progression and it work. You just can't, but you can have pretty much any lyrics over any, any chord progression. It just matters the melody that connects it. So anyway, going back to the bridge example. So you have two plots of land and the bridge is the melody in the middle. I find that a lot of times, depending on where you start, the easiest way to develop out your song is to just, you know, go over the bridge, right? So if you have lyrics first, the natural next step is usually to figure out the melody for those lyrics you've written. Practice speaking your lyrics out loud and then start singing them out loud. Maybe go to the keyboard and poke out a melody while you're singing along. That's sort of the natural next step. And then from there, once you have a melody, and if you know your basic music theory, it shouldn't be hard to figure out the underlying chord progression, or at least just test different chords that you know are in the same key as your melody is in, and it shouldn't be that hard to figure out a chord progression that will work. And then the opposite is true too. If you start with really not even just a chord progression, but basically anything musically that's not the melody, the natural next step is to write the melody or to develop the music further. So to go back to the guitar hook example, let's say your song starter is a guitar hook, you might want to figure out the underlying chord progression for that guitar hook and then figure out the melody and then go to the lyrics. Um, so with song starter sections and ideas that can be turned to songs, there's not too much detail there, but hopefully that helps. And then with the sections, I guess, usually I feel like when people struggle with song sections, it's, it's usually a lyrical thing. Uh, if it's not, if it's a musical thing, something easy you can do is, let's say you have a verse and a chorus. You don't have a bridge yet. Literally look at the first chord of your verse and chorus and pick a different chord in the key to be the first chord for your chord progression in the bridge, right? So if you've noticed you're in C major and you start both the verse and the bridge on a C major chord, pick another chord in the key, probably the six 
five or four. So in that case, in C major, A minor, G major, or F major, probably doesn't have to be. Um, and just choose to start the progression with that. That can be just an easy way to sort of figure out a direction to go. And then outlining your song or mapping out your song and figuring out what each song section's job is, what it needs to communicate beforehand is a great way to not get stuck on the lyrics for sections. And again, there will be a series of at least three videos that address this more specifically. Next one. I'm fine composing songs that I would regard as schmaltzy, codependent love songs. I love how you word that. I'm finally going to record some soon, but they are very old, about 25 years. But I've gone through broken marriage two years ago and have two mid-30-year-old sons that are angry with me, not talking. Uh, and I want to be able to get this stuff down on paper, but it's still a bit raw. Mind you, I do have a killer chord progression that came to me the night my son blasted me out of it. And then he signs his name, which, of course, I will not say for, <laughs> for privacy reasons. Um, okay, so there's a lot there. But the, the main thing I see there is I want to be able to get this stuff down on paper. But it's still all a bit raw. Mind you, I have a killer chord progression. Um, so he, you have a killer chord progression. Um, but you want to be able to get what you're going through down on paper, but still a bit raw. Actually, there's something I don't think in like 240 plus episodes of this podcast and uh, the 200 ish videos, 300, vi however many videos. I don't think I've ever actually talked about this, but you're touching on something that I feel like is not talked about a lot. Um, and I don't know if it's true for everybody, but I have found that a lot of times you think that right when something horrible happens to you, that's when the inspiration will hit or will be best. What I've actually found is most of the time, I at least need at least a few days before I'm not just so angry or so upset that, that I can't, like at first you just can't see it clearly at all. And I find that if you write, write when something horrible happens to you, Oftentimes, you're just incapacitated by emotions. And if you aren't, often what comes out is like super hyperbolized to the point that it's kind of cringe when you look back at it a few days later. So, for example, there are times that I was uh, very angry at, at specific people. Um, and, I, and I came home and I was so mad. And I tried to write like an angsty... I'm so mad at you kind of song. And it just didn't work because I was just too mad. I just like it, it wasn't savage. It, 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 it's sort of like if you think about a roast or any form of, you know, wit. And if you can say some searing comeback or trash talk in a sports, any form of sporting event, the most legendary trash talk, roasting, all that never comes from the place where you're really angry in the moment and then you come up with your best stuff. Never. It's always like the person who is totally chill and just delivers some smack talk. It's never, it's never that they're super angry and that's when they come up with their wittiest stuff. Never. Right. Because you're too emotional in that moment to be able to do that. Um, so all to say per your worry here, 
I want to be able to get this stuff down on paper, but it's still a bit raw. I think that's fine. <laughs> and I, I don't know if the, I feel like the underlying question here, if there was an underlying question is sort of, should I be in a rush to get this down before the inspiration is gone? And I think with something as, as momentous as this in a bad way, obviously in your life, you know, uh, however long your lifespan is going to be from here, you have that much time to write about this. Like this, this is never going to be a thing that you won't be able to write about, right? Um, it's it's just too, you know, something as small as like getting ticked at a coworker. Yeah, maybe you have like a three day window before you're like, ah, they're not so bad, and then you can't really write the song anymore. It's kind of difficult to write the song, but with something like this, you know, some divorce. Uh, a, a kid who's angry with you, who's in their mid there an adult's son that's angry. Like that, that's not something you're going to forget in 20 years. Right. Um, so all to say, I don't think you need to rush into it. And there's, I, I think there's, there's a conversation to be had. I, I don't want to belabor this point more than I already have. Um, but I think there is something to be said for the sweet spot of inspiration where the emotion is still raw, but you're not so blinded by the emotion that all that comes out is just like emotion with no artistic, artistic merit. It's just, um, you know, again, I go back to the, if you're trying to trash talk when you're actually angry, like the person's in your head, the trash talk's never going to be good. So in the, in the same way, you know, if it's totally in your head and you're just, still in the state where you're like crying about something or you're so angry about something. Oftentimes that's not going to be the sweet spot for writing. It's when you're sort of getting out of that curve of like super emotion, you know, it starts to curve down. Sorry for those of you on podcast, but if you're watching via video, hopefully you can see what I'm doing here. Uh, but like if this is the peak of your emotion, that's not where the best songs come. I don't think, I think it's kind of like on the way down before it's down to the bottom or really faded out. But like, Coming out of it, I think, is where the best stuff is. So, um, yes. Hopefully that was helpful. <laughs> Next one. I don't dare to actually start writing anything because I feel like I need to learn more in order to be able to write something that sounds good and is meaningful in any way. So I think I've done a podcast and a video or maybe multiple of this, but never. Never let your current skill level get in the way. I don't care what your current skill level is. You, yes, you. I'm looking at the camera. I'm talking in the mic. So even if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm talking to you. You absolutely know enough right now to write a song. Just like I, I, I'm no artist at all, uh, like drawing or painting or whatever. I know enough to draw right now. It might not be good. A year from now, if I worked on drawing, uh, I, I probably would look back and be like, wow, that was trash. But I absolutely know enough, right? Can I get a pencil? Can I get a piece of paper? Okay, then I can draw. And I get that with songs, there's a little bit more to that. But just think about all the different tools you can use to help. So for example, if you're thinking, oh, I don't know enough music theory. Music theory is going to be super helpful long term with music composition and doing more. I don't even want to call it advanced stuff, more interesting stuff with your music. 
if you want to get out of like, oh, I just use one, five, six, four and all the other stock chord progressions over and over and over. Like, yeah, learning music theory is going to go a long way, a long way. And you're going to be able to be informed about how you add different chords and all that. It's great. I think it's a great thing to learn. That being said, you don't need to know music theory to write a song. It just really helps, right? Anybody who tells you that music theory doesn't help with songwriting is lying. They're 100% they're lying. And again, knowing how to read sheet music and knowing music theory, completely different, not related at all. Sheet music, I know how to read sheet music and I'll still tell you it's worthless with songwriting. I never write my songs down in that way because it takes too much time. I just don't, I don't want to do it. There's no reason to do it. Um, so reading and writing sheet music, totally worthless. Music theory, super, super valuable. But you can absolutely write a song without it. You can write, you can go your whole songwriting career, if you want to call it that, and never learn music theory. Now you're going to be more stuck in a box. Uh, you're going to be a little bit more limited as a songwriter, uh, but you could. I don't recommend it uh, because that's frankly being lazy, right? Like you don't really, let's be honest about this. If you are too lazy to learn basic music theory, especially like I have free resources to learn this, right? And and there's the course, of course, which also gives you just the music theory that you need to know. And then, of course, I have videos and stuff where we break down more advanced stuff like, you know, sus chords and which isn't even advanced, but, you know, slightly more advanced stuff, I guess you would say. Um, So, you know, if you're too lazy to learn even basic music theory, then you don't really care about songwriting. You know what I mean? Like you can't claim like, oh, I care so much about writing a book, but you know, I would never even read uh, whatever the book is called, The Hero with a Thousand Faces or whatever. Uh, basically the one that teaches Hero's Journey. I'm not saying you need to use Hero's Journey in your book, right? But the fact that you don't even want to read like one of the the biggest books about writing and about storytelling tells me that you don't really care about storytelling. Right? That's like, oh, I care so much about personal finance, but I'll never read a personal finance book. Then you don't care about personal finance, right? If, if you don't read any book or listen to any podcast, then you don't really care. Uh, so anyway, that music, music theory rant out of the way. Music theory is super helpful. You all know that I think that some of you probably rolled your eyes through that whole thing like, ah, there he goes again. But even if you know zero music theory, you can write songs, you can write good songs, and you can write right now, right? You don't need to know anything about poetry. You've heard a song before, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. And again, something that, a point I was going to make before I went on my music theory rant, but you can use tools to help you. So even if that's something like you don't know how to write a chord progression, okay, there's tons of stock chord progressions out there where you can just Google like most used chord progressions and they will literally give you chord progressions that have been used over and over again. You can just use those. Again, not a great way long-term to write songs, not a great way to be stuck writing songs if that's all you can do, but it's a viable way to write a song and certainly for your first song, totally acceptable. Why not? And, you know, and then once you have a chord progression, Let's say you start with a chord progression, which, by the way, for your first song, or I, that's I highly recommend starting with a chord progression. It's the easiest thing to start with when you don't know any music theory. Because then, assuming you're a musician at all, a singer at all, all of us can hear a chord progression and 
sort of improvise a melody to it and figure out, okay, that sounds in pitch. That doesn't sound in pitch. That sounds right. That doesn't sound right. You don't need to know the theory of it. You can just hear it because you're used to singing on pitch to music. So improvising a melody from a chord progression that you just picked from a stock chord progression, or maybe you got one of those tools that literally will, you know, you can be like, give me a five chord chord progression in the key of D and it will just randomly give you a chord progression. You can use any of that stuff and then improvise a melody to it. And then from there, you just got to put words to it, right? And you may say, Joseph, you make it sound so trivial. At its core, it is, right? To write a song doesn't have to be that hard. To write a really good song also doesn't have to be hard, but oftentimes it it does get harder, right? The, the more you dive into the details and really try to craft your song, it does get harder. I think songwriting is the epitome of like fairly easy to learn, hard to master, right? So like you, you or I could probably write a song in the next 10 minutes. It will suck probably. Um, but, but, you know, if you take your time with a song and you learn music theory over time and basically the short answer is you don't need to learn more right from where you are, the best way to learn is to do. And the second best way to learn is to learn via, you know, content like this or other songwriting people on YouTube, podcasts, books, whatever. Um, because people like us can help accelerate you, right? Because you might not even know what music theory you need to learn. Don't go buy it like a music theory college textbook because it will be super complex, super boring, and it it will teach you a bunch of things that you probably don't need to know for songwriting. But somebody like me or, again, another YouTuber out there teaching songwriting, we understand the music theory that is and is not helpful. So we can help you avoid wasting your time on music theory that really isn't helpful. And we can point you in the right direction with like, okay, this is the really helpful stuff. This is the other helpful stuff that is good to learn once you learn the really helpful stuff, et cetera. All right. So I spent probably 10 minutes too long on that question. Uh, I don't even know if it was 10 minutes total, but whenever I start talking about music theory, I feel a clock going in my head. Like there's many people that are like, yes, we know. <laughs> All right. Um, confusion. Let me make sure this is actually the next one. Yes. Confusion on where the song should go. I think I know. Then I change directions. So I feel bad giving an answer that I think I've given probably two to three times in the scheme of these episodes we've done so far answer, uh, responding to these struggles. But song maps or song outlines sounds like it's it's the, the fix to this. The only reason you would be confused on where the song should go, especially in a lyrical sense, is if you didn't have a plan going in. So theoretically... In my opinion, the vast majority of the time, before you write a single lyric for a song, before you write a single line, outside of maybe the title or something like that, but generally before you really start writing lyrics, you should have an outline or a song map, as some call it, that gives you a direction on, okay, the first verse is meant to cover uh, this future that I hope for. Then the chorus is going to cover what the present actually looks like. Then the second verse is going to go back in time and, and tell the story of how we got to the present that we talked about in the chorus. And we talk about the present again in the chorus. And then the bridge 
is going to talk about how I feel about our chances of getting to that hoped for future state that I talked about in the first verse, something like that. Now, obviously, you'd get more specific to what your song actually is about. That was extremely generic on purpose. Um, but just just taking the time to do that goes a long way, because then once you get into the songwriting part, there is no confusion on where the song should go. You know where the song needs to go. You know what every song section needs to communicate. And then you just need to execute on it. Um, if you're talking musically, then that's a maybe a little bit more complex of an issue. Um, but I'll, I'll refer back to the advice I gave at the beginning where just taking something like if you if you have different song sections, look at, you know, what chord did you start the chord progression with in each of your song sections and and pick a different one. Right. Even if you have a complex chord progression in a song section, I certainly have written songs like this where it's not like a four chord progression over and over, but like the whole chorus is a series of like. 10 chords over time, but there's no repetition within those 10 chords. Even in that case, just look at what your first chord is for your section so far. Pick a different one to start with. That can be a great way to just sort of jumpstart the creativity. You may not have even noticed that you started with the one chord. You started with the C major or G major in both of your song sections so far. And just being like, huh, I'm in the key of G major. I started my chorus with the G major chord and my verse with the G major chord. Ah, let's uh, let's let's just try starting the bridge with an E minor chord, or with a C major chord, or with a D major chord, or hey, let's make it even more interesting and do like a, a minor three chord, which would be a B minor chord in that in a G major context. Uh, and I think that that can go a long way. Again, there will be a video getting more in depth on this, but I don't. I know I'm already taking a lot of time with each of these, so we will move on to the next one. I would like to know how to establish a syllable count on verses and choruses, how to put the right amount of words per line, when to stretch a word as opposed to adding one. This type of overview would be helpful to me. So right off the bat, this is definitely something I should make a whole video on because there's, there's a lot of nuance and complexity to this. First thing is worry a little bit less about the syllable count and more about the stress count or the emphasis count. The emphases and the meter of the emphases, you should probably stay fairly strict about. So if you have four emphasized syllables in your first line and then three in your second line, and you want an ABAB pattern, then your third line should have four stresses and your your fourth line should have three stresses. But honestly, if it's kind of like eh, two and a half stresses instead of three, where it's like one of them is like kind of stressed, but it's not really that stressed, but it kind of works in the context of the melody, don't sweat it. Ultimately, don't get too caught up in, I think just, just as a big picture thing, and it, it connects to this question as well, but I want to back up for a second and just give a very general piece of advice that I think connects to a lot of these different issues, which is don't lose the forest for the trees. I think we do this sometimes where we get too obsessed with like, I got to get this rhyme scheme to work. In fact, third episode of the podcast ever was about you 
your song doesn't need to rhyme. And that's just because I think with rhyming, it's the biggest indication of the underlying issue that I'm talking about now. The underlying issue is sometimes we get so caught up in stuff that doesn't, that is helpful, but doesn't matter, or at least isn't the ultimate. So just to state something obvious, your song and your lyrics don't exist to serve an arbitrary rhyme scheme, right? Your lyrics do not exist to arbitrarily serve this just randomly picked rhyme scheme. Who cares, right? Now, that doesn't mean that learning rhyme scheme and learning meter or learning music theory, that all these things aren't helpful and good tools. But ultimately, it's about how does the song sound? How does it feel? Do the words work? So don't get too caught up in the, but I need four stresses in this line, or I need 10 syllables in this line. If you have to stretch a word out and it feels natural and it sounds natural, don't worry about it. If you add a filler word and it feels natural, it feels like, yeah, that's a natural way that you would say that. It doesn't feel like it's just a filler word so that it would fit into the syllables. Go for it. But also, you know, you don't have to over stress about this. Don't ruin your lyrics, the thing that actually matters, to have perfect meter which doesn't necessarily matter, right? If you think in terms of melody and, and speaking, we can fit something like, I have to go to school, or I have to go to the school, right? I, I, I tucked in a little the in there, which changes the meter slightly, right? I have to go to school. It's just every other word is emphasized. I have to go to the school. With that, I fit two syllables that are both unstressed where before there was just one, but it doesn't matter, right? If you did that melodically, nobody would notice or care. So if really what you need to say is I have to go to the school, you can fit to the as both not emphasized words. You can just sort of tuck them in there. You can alter the melody ever so slightly where Instead of being on, let's say, the note D for just, uh, I have to go to school, to, or to the, right? If you're on D for to the, for have to go to the school, instead of just to, or instead of just the school, who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, so basically, figure out in your specific circumstance what serves the song better. If a filler word, feels like a filler word and it feels out of place, don't use it just to fit an arbitrary anything. I mentioned rhyme scheme, but in this case, meter. Um, so don't force the syllable count. It's more important that the stresses match. And even that, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to sound right. If it sounds right, it is right. Again, doesn't mean that it's not worth considering or, you know, it's, it's a good thing to worry about meter, but don't lose the forest for the trees. Your lyrics do not exist to serve your arbitrary syllable count, right? Your lyrics exist to communicate to the listener. And if you don't have a perfect syllable count, nobody will ever notice unless maybe they take the time to analyze your song and then who cares, right? If it speaks to me, 
who nobody notices syllable count. That being said, again, probably, you know, it exists for a reason. Just don't lose the forest for the trees. Ultimately, what's important is that the lyric communicates. So don't overly obsess. If it sounds right, it is right. Would really like to get your knowledge in regards to the point of view, voice, and songs. Who is talking to someone? Who is talking to someone or thinking out loud? Also, the use of metaphors and sim similes in more detail. Thank you for supporting songwriters. Um, okay, point of view, voice, and songs. Who's talking to someone or thinking out loud? I'm not entirely sure what that is. So let's just talk through point of view for a second. So direct address is what we're doing right now. I am directly addressing you. So there's an I and a you. That's direct address by far the most common point of view in songs. Then you have a uh, third person, which is probably second most common, also probably by something like a mile. Because um, the vast, probably like 99.9% .9 of songs are either direct address or a third person. That might be slight hyperbole, but most are that. Third person is where there's like he, she, they, but the, the person narrating the song, right? The person singing the song is at least theoretically not a not a character in the song. Unlike direct address, where it's me and you. So let's say your average breakup song, right? Is I talking to you. So it's kind of this interesting, we might not think about this a lot, but it's sort of this weird, interesting where you as the listener are theoretically the person like that broke up with me or something, if you take it literally. But you understand that the you in the song is not you specifically. But essentially, the song is you listening in on me talking to whoever the, the you really is. So you're, it's a close-up camera view, right? You, you're seeing the intimate conversation between me and the person who broke my heart or whatever. And then third person is kind of the opposite of that. It's super not intimate. It's, it almost can give the appearance of an objective narrator. This is why sometimes authors opt to do what's called third-person omniscient narrators. Omniscient, if you don't know, is like all-knowing, right? This is, a, this is a narrator in a book where the author is writing in such a way that they're able to get into anybody's brain, whether it's the good guy, the bad guy, whoever, whatever character it is, and they can give what is actually going on in their brain, which is different than like a book that's written in first person where you are getting the account of one person, which may or may not be reliable, right? They're, they might say what they think another character is thinking, but that's not necessarily reliable. With a third-person omniscient narrator, they actually can get in that other character's head and give you reliable information. So connecting it back to songwriting, with third-person, what you get is it's less intimate, but it tends to feel more objective. You can also use this as a tool to sort of try to be more objective about yourself. For example, John Denver's Rocky Mountain High is in third-person. It's all he was born in the summer of his 27th year. And, but the he in that song is John Denver, right? So John Denver is using third person, but he's talking about himself from a third person point of view. So you can do that. Uh, obviously, you can also use third person where you really are sort of third person in this case. If I am talking about this girl and guy who are having a, a breakup over coffee and I'm just a person in the coffee shop watching, this all unfolds, 
that's third person, right? I'm not actually involved in the story of the song. I am simply perceiving the story and re relating it to you. Uh, then there's first person and second person. So, uh, and by the way, I probably should have mentioned this up front. I believe I did podcasts diving into each of these specifically. So you might want to check those out. Probably in the 100s range. It was before 200. And I think it, I don't think it was before episode 100. So I, <laughs> I know that's a big range to give you, but somewhere in there. Uh, probably not on YouTube. Pretty sure I wasn't doing YouTube podcasts at that time, but on the podcast feed, it should be there. Uh, and again, there's one podcast each for each of these point of views. So we really dove into each. Um, so, so for, I believe second person, second person is the one where you I, really first and second person, you're probably not going to use in songs. So I, let's, let's leave it at this. You also can do things like man in the mirror. Right where you're talking about uh, the man in the mirror, I believe is second person or is that first person? I can never remember that that part. Um, but it's, it's sort of the idea of you're talking to a you, but the you is really yourself, right? So to talk in the man in the mirror, you're talking to really you're talking to yourself, but instead of saying I, you're saying you, right? Um, so which point of view you use is worth thinking about. And again, go to those podcasts for way more detail than I have time to give here. Um, but for the most part, you're probably going to use direct address, I and you, and third person, which is, you know, he, she, they, the people over there, whatever. Um, so point of view, voice, and songs, who is talking to someone or thinking out loud? Um, I think we mostly covered that part. Um, also don't, don't overthink this, right? There are no rules. So you, you can, you can, for example, you can have a whole song where you keep saying you, you, this, you, that, and you're talking to yourself. You can do that, right? In fact, a lot of songs that just say you, 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 and never mention I, it's kind of a hint that really they're talking to themselves. Uh, Vertical Horizon has a song called You Never Let Me Down. And guess who the you is? Matt Scannell, <laughs> a.k.a. Vertical Horizon. He's talking to himself, right? Or, you know, again, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. The man in the mirror is Michael Jackson himself. So um, also the use of metaphors and similes in more detail. Uh, so I don't think the difference between metaphors and similes is important, right? Uh, what is it? Similes use like or as or whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, but I, also the use of metaphors and similes in more detail. I'm not entirely sure what the 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 question is. Are you asking the difference between metaphors and similes? Because again, it's just whether you use like or as or not. So like, uh, for example, to say, um, uh, <laughs> your words are like a leaf or your words are a leaf. That's the difference between simile and metaphor, right? In one case, I am conceding that it's just, I'm drawing an analogy. It is like this other thing. And in the other one, I'm saying it literally is that thing. Now, obviously it's not literally, so I, I guess it, it metaphorically <laughs> is that thing. Uh, that's the difference. Which one you use is really, I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a, a rule book on this. 
I probably lean against using any of them d- directly. I, I'm a big fan of using symbolism where you're not, you're not, um, you're not directly drawing a line from one thing to another. You're simply telling the symbolic story without ever addressing what it is, what the symbol represents directly. Just let people figure it out. So for example, to go back to the example, I think I just said something like your words are like leaves. Now I know that I'm drawing the, the line from your words to leaves. But if we just write a song talking about leaves and within that song, it's obvious that I'm talking about your words. To me, that's the preferred way to go. I'm not actually a huge fan personally. And this is a personal thing, right? This is not a recommendation. You do what you like. Uh, but for what it's worth, I tend to prefer using symbolism in a way where it blurs the, it's not making super clear like, hey, this is a symbol. Hey, this is literal. And this literal thing is paired with this symbol. I'm not a big fan of of spelling it out like that. I'm a big fan, just in general, I'm a huge fan and again, you don't have to care because it's totally personal. Um, but to me, there's nothing worse than when I'm consuming any form of art and it treats me like I'm stupid. Uh, which is, if you were to pick one thing that is wrong with almost every movie made in the last couple of years that wasn't made by Christopher Nolan or Denis Villeneuve or however you say his name. Um, great director, though. I should probably figure out how to say his name and make sure I'm right. Um but 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 like any MCU movie in the last several years pretty much treats you like you're stupid, right? Like they beat you over the head with any point they're trying to make. They're like, get it, get it, get it. Um, and the second that art does that, it's like you're you're just like you, you should find a way to say something in a way that I get it and you just trust me to get it. That's usually how art works. Uh, beyond the fact that so much art right now is really just propaganda, which is then not art. Uh, but even not getting going down that road, just in general, don't don't treat your listeners like they're dumb. Right. Sometimes some pe- some people aren't going to catch what you're trying to say. That's fine. My my to me, I'm like, be comfortable with that. There's always going to be if you do something brilliant and it has nuance and subtlety to it, which often makes it better and more true. And I think the the essence of art is that it has to communicate truth ultimately. If it doesn't, then it's just propaganda, right? You're just trying to manipulate people into something that's not actually true. So if if art ultimately is something that is communicating some sort of truth, right? The And it doesn't have to be literal truth, right? Just a truth. Like it could be communicating a, a truth about human nature or a truth about how humans feel about death or how or or communicating a truth about how one feels in the moments after you know being told that their wife wants a divorce or something or after their 30-year-old son says he's not going to talk to me anymore or something ultimately art should be communicating truth it doesn't have to be literally true but it should be communicating ultimately truth about human nature, truth about the world we live in, stuff like that. Um, and sometimes that's going to be lost on people, right? Some, sometimes communicating truth is not spelling out the answer. I, this is going to be the last one because I know we're going long. 
I, I should look at the camera and be like, oh, I'm at 30 minutes, wrap up. Maybe the next one I will do that. But Whiplash is a movie I've seen recently. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. Real quick version of it uh, that's mostly spoiler-free, but maybe skip the next 20 seconds if you wanted to watch it because it, it implies some level of spoiler maybe. Basically, the premise is J.K. Simmons is this um, drum instructor, and the plot really doesn't matter. Basically, the mo- the movie asks the question of what is it worth to create greatness? So, for example, is it worth possibly even abusing someone, but they become great because of it? And you may have an answer to that in your head. And the way I worded it probably loads it in one direction, right? Is it okay to abuse someone? So, you know, if I found better words for it, maybe it would articulate better sort of the point of the movie. But the movie leaves you in a place where there is no clear answer as to bad guy, good guy. There's no, you know, good versus evil, clear. It kind of leaves you with the like, huh, what is it worth to achieve greatness? You know, what, 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 what sacrifices are worth making? Or, you know, if someone is truly trying to build you into something great and they break you down to get you there, is that really bad or is it good? And it leaves you with a question, right? It does not answer those questions because the truth of the world and humanity is, it, that's a nuanced question. That's, there, there isn't a clear answer to that, right? There, there just isn't. Um, at least the way it's, it's presented in the movie, it, 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 it leaves you really kind of grappling with it. And you'll probably fall on one side or the other, but probably you'll be left feeling like, hmm, I kind of concede, though, that I could see there's a point to either side. And the movie doesn't hit you over the head with, this is the right answer. This is the moral answer. We know because we're Hollywood, which is a giant joke. Like, uh, if Hollywood is preaching any form of morality, maybe you should run away from whatever that morality is. But Because uh, they're notoriously moral people. But <laughs> beyond even that, right? The movie's not interested in doing that because it's actually artistic. It actually leaves you with questions. And I think art tends to leave people with questions that they can answer for themselves, use their own brain. Um, so anyway, that was all connecting to metaphors and similes, <laughs> which really the, the big picture thing here, I, I think, is pick the thing that best communicates truth. And again, not literal truth, but truth of humanity. For instance, a parable is a great example. A parable is not a literal truth, but it is a story that communicates ultimate truth or something like that, right? I could tell you a story about a man who lost everything because he, I, I don't know, put all his money on one stock in the stock market. And it's a totally made up story. But I could communicate ultimate truth to you that it's foolish to put all your money into a single stock of a single company via the not literally true story. I don't know why I went back to a money example there, but there. (laughs) All right. This went very long. Hopefully this was helpful to you. Thanks again for those of you who are listening, watching for these special episodes where we are talking about your biggest struggles. Hopefully to those of you who answered this, my answers are helpful in some way. And hopefully to those of you who didn't ask a question, this is helpful to you anyway. And you're like, hey, that's the same struggle that I had, or I had that struggle last 
week or last year, and now I know when I have that struggle again how to address it. Hopefully there's something helpful here for everyone. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide, 20 Different Ways to Start Writing a Song, especially for the person who was like, I don't dare to actually start writing anything. Grab this guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. There will be a way in here that will prompt you to start a song. There's 20 different ways to start writing a song. Believe me, you can do it. No matter who you are listening to this podcast right now, you absolutely can write songs and you absolutely can write your first song today. Whenever you're listening to this, don't listen to another podcast by me or anyone else until you write your first song. If you've never written a song before, do not watch any more of my videos or anyone's videos for that matter. Don't read another blog post until you go at least start a song. You don't have to finish a song, but at least go start a song before you consume more content because you got to learn by doing first and foremost. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I'll talk to you in the next one.